Thank you, worship team. It's an amazing time of worship, and, and it's fun, right? You don't have to be in pews or rows to worship well and hear your wonderful voices all joined together singing. I love it. So this morning, we've got some arts and crafts, and you're all part of it. It's good. Well, actually, I will say I, my initial plans this week was like a lot of arts and crafts because we don't have any uh, Cedar Valley Kids teachers for this morning. We're still very thin on our schedule for doing the programming for the kids, which we have as a huge important value here at this church, but it doesn't always get reflected that way with what our uh, kind of volunteer base looks like. So we are still looking to build that team. We need dedicated volunteers, teachers who will lead the programs downstairs uh, to pour into the kids' lives. Um, and that's for ages four to grade five. Right now we've got like, we've got grade six, actually I think we have like grade five-year-olds running the broadcast in the booth as well, stuff like that. They're getting involved in the service. Um, it's amazing, but this morning, they're all together here with us in the service. And I had a whole bunch of crafts with glue sticks and everything planned, and then I started writing my sermon, and then I couldn't stop writing my sermon. So I had to adjust some of the stuff. But we're still doing some crafts. So here, here's what it looks like uh, for everyone around. You're in these clumps because we are going to have some discussion, some interactive time this morning. But there's also this tin with some supplies and stuff because you can see we've got these two thinly little trees up here, and it's fall time, right? So it's there's still supposed to be leaves on the trees, and they're not. They're empty. So we're, we're making some leaves. We've got some, some drawings of leaves on some pieces of paper. Uh, so kids, here's the permission if you want. If you're bored of whatever I'm saying up here, that's fine. I won't be that hurt. Uh, adults, too, I guess. I'll be a little bit more hurt. if I, Now you can color, too. We're, we're going to cut them out. We're going to color them in. We're going to create leaves to decorate our fall decorations here for the church, for the sanctuary here, for the next couple weeks. And uh, later on in the message this morning, we're going to have a time of dialogue discussion, and then we're actually going to turn those leaves into a bit of a response piece. So we're actually going to use them to kind of engage with and respond to part of the message this morning. So uh, that's fine. I will hear some scissors and some pencil crayons scratching this morning. Adults, if you're just tuning out, that's fine. Color some leaves. Because I expect to. I see, I see a few clumps here with like retired and older. I don't want to say an age and offend anyone. Retired and older. I'm hoping to get some leaves from, from you guys too. I'm hoping to get some nice, beautiful cuddler leaves, Dixie and Susie. It'll be great. So, so that's what we're doing. Otherwise, we are going to dive into the message this morning. So if you do need any other supplies, I will see. I just see some of the kids going there. There's a few more supplies in the back if, uh, if you need some more, but otherwise we should be good to go. So First question I've got, has anybody heard of the compliment sandwich? You heard of this term, it's like this dialogue kind of piece, the compliment sandwich. Okay, here's what it is. It's, it's a conversational tool uh, that's recommended to use when you need to say something hard to somebody. Like if you gotta say something difficult, you know, criticism, maybe you got a, an employee that just has something that they need correction. And what it says is to essentially like, when you gotta say something hard to somebody, Start off with encouragement, something positive. Start off by just celebrating what is working well in, in what, whatever they're doing. Then bring from a place of love the hard thing, and then wrap it up still with the overall positive piece. Because here's the thing, most of the time, as a general rule, people aren't all bad. But when we have a critical mind, sometimes we come at people with just a, the criticism is all they are, but that's not true. A lot of people are actually, there's a lot of good stuff about them and we need to validate. So it, it can look like this. So like if your wife buys a fanny pack 
and you think it looks horrible. This is hypothetical, I swear it's not true. And it's just super embarrassing to be seen with her toting around a fanny pack all the time, whatever, right? So hypothetical, let's just talk it about. You could maybe, if you want to have some more success, rather than just making fun of it like I haven't done, uh, you could start by just complimenting her general fashion taste and aesthetic and, and whatnot, right? And then you might be able to say something like, come in maybe with just a question of curiosity, like, you know, have you looked at your outfit in a mirror with that thing on? <laughs> Or, okay, maybe you could be a bit more subtle or passive. You could just show them a few advertisements of, like, 75-year-olds on cruise ships and say, hey, do you notice the fanny pack that they're wearing? Just like yours. But then bring it back, right? Overall, just say, but you're so pretty, and I'll, I can look past the fanny pack. It's still beautiful. Okay, but more serious, and so the, uh, um, it's fun, right? But a more realistic approach, a compliment sandwich. Okay, so here's what it could actually look like. Um, so uh, when, I had a, when I was working in masonry and construction, I had a coworker who I just he needed to talk to about his just general work ethic and reliability, right? So it's, it looks a little bit like coming up and saying like, hey, okay, Jeff, because I didn't work with anybody named Jeff, actually. So hey, Jeff, I just want to say, I've, I've honestly, he was a new guy, right? So hey, I've been really impressed with how quickly you've been picking up this thing. Like, you've been a huge asset to our crew. You're progressing. Your skills are solid. You're really making mistakes. You're getting faster. It's, it's really good. But here's the thing that we're just finding as a whole team. It's pretty difficult to get our site started and to get going when we're trying to have staff meeting because we have no idea when you're coming to work. Like, you're often pretty late, man. It's like 10, 15, 30 minutes. And the tough thing about that is I just want to check in to see if there's something we can do to adjust that, right? Like, do you need a wake-up call? Do you need, like, I want to help you for this, right? It's, it's tough. This needs to change. But bring it back to the big thing here, Jeff, is the fact that we love you on our team. You're a great, like, you bring a good energy, and we just want to grow as a crew. And here's the thing. What I love about the compliment sandwich um, is not a way to sneak in passive-aggressive advice about hating on fanny packs. Apparently, Lululemon makes fanny packs. I don't get it, but... It's, it's not that, you can't just, I couldn't just be like, okay, it's amazing how much work you can get done, Jeff, even though you show up for only half your shift. Just <laughs> passive aggressive doesn't work. That's not what this is about. What it is, is it's a way that forces you to look at encouragement and positive stuff too in people's life and to come at conversations from a place of love, right? Because here's the thing, uh, there's actually a lot of people I know in my life you might have this reflection too. You might know some people in your life. Honestly, some of them are here in this church community. My entirety of interaction with some people is based on criticism, right? It's like, it's just the negative. It's the negative. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And that does not build relationship. It doesn't build community here or with other people in your life. And I know this happens within families and stuff too, is a high level of criticism. And and there's two problems to this, and it's going to tie right into our passage in Galatians this morning. There's two problems to this. So the one thing is if you have something hard to say to somebody, but you can't come up with anything positive or encouraging for that person's life too, you honestly aren't coming to the conversation from a place of love, and you honestly probably don't have the relationship to be a real influence in that person's life either. And the second point is this. As followers of Jesus, as people who carry the gospel of grace and God's love with us, 
we need, like our words are important and honestly our, our words should be more heavily weighted to the positive and encouraging side from everything that comes out of our mouth. Like we should be people known for positivity and honestly, here's the thing, I know a lot of Christians, a lot of people have been lifelong followers of Jesus and the general word around them is like, yeah, but they're a grump. They do a lot of nice stuff. They donate this here and that and they volunteer all the stuff but they just are grumpy and they don't like a lot of stuff. And our words matter a ton, the way we interact with people, the way we dialogue and talk about it. Because see, here's the thing, like the fruits of the spirit, if you know those things, that, what, what are the fruits of the spirit? Be right all the time, <laughs> donate tons of money, make sure you fight for justice. No, it's kindness and goodness and peace, joy, patience, good, like faithfulness, self-control are actually like the evidence of the gospel work in our life. So here's what brings us to the text this morning. We are doing a study as a church, we've been going it for a while, in the book of Galatians. Uh, it's a book in the New Testament of the Bible. It's actually a letter that was written to uh, believers in first century uh, kind of Eastern Mediterranean area. Like most of the books in the New Testament of the Bible actually are actually letters that were written called epistles. Uh, this one is written to Christians in ancient Galatia, which is kind of like modern day Turkey-ish area, and uh, by a man named Paul, who we believe uh, to be inspired by the word of God, wrote all these things that he planted churches, influenced, like spoke the gospel to people. And uh, so we're going through this powerful text verse by verse. We've been learning about uh, Paul's rebuke uh, to these believers because he planted the church and initially brought the gospel message to these people, the Christians in Galatia. And now he's writing this letter, which is kind of a follow-up. And there's been a lot of uh, rebuke about this kind of misunderstanding of how to live out and how to practice this gospel message that Paul brought, how to live out a life of following Jesus. And instead, what people are doing is they're um, going back to these ritualistic practices, which Paul calls uh, worshiping false gods and miserable forces of the world, all these different practices, stuff like that. And, and honestly, Paul's been coming on and hitting pretty hard for a while. But where he starts with the letter, we started off in a bit, he starts with thanksgiving and joy and encouragement. And all throughout the letter, he brings out pieces of encouragement and joy. And here, we come right into, in Galatians chapter 4, 12, another note and moment of encouragement and kind of a positive focus. Because here's the thing, Paul has mastered the compliment sandwich. But in, in, in a bigger point, he's coming to these people out of a place of pure love and grace and support for them. He loves these people. He wants to see better of them. And it's not just do better, do better, do better, do better. It's these are amazing things. I want to see better from you. And these are the amazing things where you, you had it. And this is the things that you can be again. He prevents, provides and presents the good stuff. So here we are in Galatians chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 12. So it's going to be on the screen. If you've got your Bible, uh, read along too, or open up your phone app. Uh, so Galatians 4, verse 12. So it says, uh, Paul writes, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I was Jesus Christ himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you, would have done, you, if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Earlier on in the book and, and what was several months ago, we were 
kind of taking a look at the autobiography of Paul, and now he was talking about his conversion story. Now he's kind of talking about when he was on one of his first missionary journeys, when he first met these people and presented them the gospel, and then his interactions with them. And he says, it was amazing. You guys were so hospitable. You were so generous. You cared for me and loved me. And so we're just going to study through this a little bit this morning. We're going to break it down. We're going to see what it has to say to us and, and build into our lives. Uh, and the first one, I just want to dive back to right in verse 12, where Paul says, become like me, I became like you. So this is, again, it's a bit of a focus on Paul was a missionary. He traveled all around the Mediterranean area, uh, like th- thousands of kilometers by foot. It was amazing over the course of years. And he just preached the gospel. And this was a man who's coming from a place where he initially was actually a man named Saul. And he hated followers of Jesus. He was actually hunting them down and arresting them, having them killed. And then Jesus interacted with him, had this amazing moment, this miraculous transformation, blinded him, changed his life. Paul believed and trusted in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and believed that Jesus is now the way to connect with and understand and have a relationship with God. Changed his life. He took that passion, told hundreds of thousands of other people who told hundreds of thousands of others, planted the majority of churches. And... um, and this is the beautiful thing, how Paul, Paul's saying in, a, like in four or five words here, he says how he did all of that, how he accomplished it, become like me because I became like you. In his missionary work, Paul brought that beautiful news of Jesus Christ, who, who like we have it here, the good news of Jesus, the testimony of a creator God who loved our world so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who lived with us and taught us and performed miracles and healings, but ultimately was killed and died on a cross. And then here's the gospel message, which was amazing, which Paul taught and transformed his life and transforms our lives. We have this chance to trust and believe in that work Jesus did, that what he accomplished on the cross, it wasn't because he didn't just die, he rose from the grave and he conquered death, he put Satan in his place, and we can have this real relationship with God. We can have the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we can have a thriving life based on God's grace and not based on the systems and the rituals and the practices of the world that say, do more, be your own own God, be perfect. Amen? That's the gospel that Paul brought. And what's beautiful, he says, I became like you because that is all that Paul brought. And he didn't bring, here's how to have church services and meet at this time and wear these kind of shoes. He didn't bring those things. He brought the pure gospel that actually is so flexible. It has circumnavigated the globe, our world, hundreds of times over. Every single culture and people and country and society is not about the little stuff. It's about the basic truth of who Jesus is. And the entire letter of Galatians centers on that fact that it's, we've called it Jesus plus nothing. And it's not about the way Cedar Valley does church and the kind of music we sing, although our worship team is amazing and sings and leads us through amazing worship songs. It's not about our decorations. It is about the gospel of Jesus. So that all in a nutshell, that's what Paul was talking about, what he brought. And the reason he brought it, it kind of shows us here next, it was because of an illness that Paul came. And we actually get the sense that uh, it was almost like a detour when we read in Acts, uh, which is a book a few books back in the New Testament, is kind of a story of how the early church spread into the world and how it took the message of Jesus and the disciples went and started telling other people. And it follows Paul's missionary journeys. And, and he says, it's because of an illness that I first met you. So it was almost like an accident. I love the way God works in mysterious ways, just takes inconveniences and interruptions and actually says, no, I'm going to plant a church in this massive province called Galatia and, and you're going to make these massive things. But an illness 
is such an interesting point here because this kind of triggers the relationship and the reality of how the Galatians met Paul. So there's two kind of aspects of this illness I want to look at. One was, and we, we aren't totally clear on what the illness fully was, but when we read through the book of Acts, there's this interesting moment where when Paul is traveling through the area, the province of Galatia, he's preaching the gospel and he goes to this town and people are like amazed and they believe it and they plant a church and everyone is transformed by the gospel. And he goes to this town and the religious leaders rebuke him and hate him and kick him out. And then he goes to this town and it's kind of a mixed reaction, he goes to another town. And then the, uh, the culture of the world says, that's hocus pocus, we don't care, we don't care about it. He goes to this one town in Lystra and he's transforming people's lives. The gospel is hitting people. They're believing. They're amazed by the work of Jesus and this testimony of Paul. And then some religious leaders from the Jewish religion who were against Christians, who were against followers of Jesus, came, kind of came in and put a stop to what Paul was doing. But in fact, they had so much kind of charisma. They took all that energy and they turned people against Paul to the point where they stoned him to the point of what they thought they killed him. And so this isn't just like driving out of town, get out of here and never come back. They threw rocks with intent to kill Paul and his, uh, and his uh, traveling companion and uh, partner Barnabas to the point where they thought he was dead. And they dragged the two out of the city walls, left him to die and get picked apart by crows. And then in Acts, we see the fact that the disciples, the people who believed in the gospel, took Paul in and cared for him. And it's likely the people Paul is writing to and referring to in this point I was in a horrid shape, like near the point of death. Not, this isn't like you got beaten up and you walked it off. This is like a long time of recovery, broken bones, smashed skull. And they loved on him and, and everything. There's a second kind of inference that I think is huge that we, we get a bit of a clue further on in this passage too. So Galatians 4:15, uh, where Paul says, if you could have, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. And all throughout Paul's writings, he makes these references to his eyes. And uh, like I mentioned just a little bit earlier, Paul's transformation story involves him having this encounter with Jesus being blinded for three days. He was blinded. And so it's this beautiful sign, actually, where Paul was a man who had perfect sight. And he was going around as a powerful, influential leader uh, named Saul initially. His name changed as he changed his life's direction. So this man, Saul, uh, Paul, who was Saul, had perfect sight. But the Bible's actually showing us that he was totally blind and clouded. He actually didn't see, he couldn't see the work that Jesus was doing. He couldn't see God at work in his life until he has this moment and he is blinded and he does go and meet this person and the, there's scales that fall from his eyes and he's able to see again. But he has these ailments that he refers to in all of his letters. He doesn't have perfect vision anymore, but he can see clearly because of the gospel that has changed and worked in his life. His eyes are now a bit of a mess, and he talks about this ailment. Now, even there, he says, I, I could have been a burden to you, and you could have treated me with scorn and contempt, but instead you welcomed me. Um, eye injuries suck. Like, a couple weeks ago, I even mentioned about how I just seem to, like, have way more, like an abnormally high amount of eye injuries. I've been to the hospital two or three times for like metal shards and slivers in my eyeball. And they are like debilitating. If any of you here have ever dealt with eye injuries uh, or just issues with it, it can be like the smallest thing that you can't even really see, but it affects every part of your life, eating and showering and getting out of bed, having even bad eyesight where you need glasses and it, like it's so bad without it in the morning, you're kind of blind until I like, 
my wife Leslie, before she had uh, corrective laser eye surgery, she said it was weird when she could see when she woke up in the morning because she was used to this like wake up, cloudy, whatever. Um, eye injuries affect your entire life, but we think of stuff as like medical, like something that could be treated or dealt with, or you find you know medical science can help in some ways. In the original context, injuries and illnesses weren't just something to recover from. They were actually a kind of cultural symbol that said there was something wrong with you. And you had these two kind of groups of people. So if you had an illness or an injury to the uh, religious people in the day, uh, the Jewish people, it was, you were unclean. There was a reason. It was sin in your life or in your family or your gene genealogy. And in fact, if you touched an injured person, a, a paralyzed person or whatever, you couldn't go to church until you cleaned yourself up and washed yourself. You got sacri uh, like ceremonially clean. You couldn't interact, let alone the paralytic, paralytic person who was not going to church at all. There's this kind of culture of injuries and ailments were more than just uh, the result. There was something big to them. And then even the uh, more superstitious uh, Greco-Roman culture around had the sense that there, you had a curse on you. If you had an injury or an illness, it's because the gods were upset with you. You had a curse. So avoid them if you were meant to be avoided. And eye injuries were the worst of the worst. If you had an eye injury, you were outcast. If you had an eye injury, you don't interact with because the gods are really bothered by you. They are upset. And uh, there's a reason why you have to deal with this. And so in a culture where Paul should have been outcast. Paul was not coming as this guy in a suit with a good message and clear voice. He was coming as this guy haggard, beaten up badly with an eye injury and a message from God. And the people responded because they had the gospel in them and they responded with kindness and joy and love and encouragement. And Paul celebrates them and says, you had this. This is how you received me. This was evidence that the gospel was at work in your life. So it's this moment of testimony where Paul is sharing that he saw the work of the gospel in their lives, the way he received that kindness and the way that they provided that. And he's saying, uh, you need to have that. You're not showing that now. So this morning, what I want to do, I've actually, I've spoken to a couple people. I want to invite up Pam and uh, Liz. And I just invited a couple people in our community here to share some stories about how they have either experienced receiving or having the opportunity to provide that kind of loving kindness, that kind of gospel uh, grace and being the hands and feet of it. It's what I think is amazing. I kind of call it being like an agent of God's goodness. So I just want to invite uh, Liz and Pam up here. We've got mics and yeah, so I just, I think it's just fantastic. Rather than me rambling off different stories that may or may have not have happened, I would love to hear real stories that have impacted your life. So, give you this one. Um, I think to begin with, um, I'll let you all know that I did not grow up in a family that went to church. Um, but my dad, from a very early age, um, he showed me how to care for people. Um, dad took it upon himself when several years in a row when my relatives on the island were suffering. Um, there was no work, there was no money. So dad approached mom and said, I'm going to the island. So mom said, okay, what do you need? So. Mom would get busy and bake. Um, my dad would go to Wong's and he would pick up 
three big turkeys, three 50-pound bags of carrots, potatoes, onions, all the Christmas trimmings. And he would load up his van, grab my little brother out of school, because he needed the muscle, and gather up all mums baking and just arrive at the cousins. And he would go unannounced, just drive in, start dropping it off, knock on the door, and continue on his way. And by the time he got to the second house, they all knew. And I asked Dad, I said, did they invite you? Like, what was going on? He says, no. He says, you have family, you have people you care about, you have to show it. He says, and I can't sit down to Christmas dinner without knowing that they're having Christmas dinner. Um, we made sure all the kids were taken care of, and all through my life, I have tried to follow Dad's example. Um, when I lived up north, I adopted a family that had four kids, and I would do the same for them. And to me, it's just part of who I am. Now I know about Jesus. It just makes me happy to give to others and to help. And that's really been a big part of my life and how I try to honor my dad is by showing love and care to other people. Good morning. Um, so when Grant asked, Pastor Grant asked me to speak um, through email, I normally would think about it, hesitate. For some reason, I just hit reply and said, sure. I'm not a public speaker, so I afterwards thought, wow, that was... <laughs> that was surprising. So God obviously wanted me here to speak today. So just I made some notes um, as I thought about this. And growing up, like Liz, I wasn't raised in a Christian family, but I do remember my mom always making me kneel beside my bed and say my prayers and used to think, okay, now I lay me down to sleep. Okay, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and then I was thinking, if I shall die before I wake, oh no, <laughs> okay, I would be panicked. But as I grew up and learned more and more about Jesus, I was in and out. I went to a few churches here and there, but I never actually joined a church or came to church on a consistent basis. So about six years ago, I was working in a company, um, and I worked with women survivors of violence and abuse. So the stories and the situations that these women had endured through their life, what they were going through at that time was just heartbreaking. Um, I still, this is about six years ago, I had this woman that joined me to work in this little tiny office. And I used to think, how can she just be so calm? Her life was good, she seemed, I mean, she did have some problems, but I thought she, something different about her. So I asked her one day, I said, you know, things are just different with you, like you seem different. She said, because I have God in my life. She said, God is in control of everything. And I couldn't really understand that. So I decided, um, she invited me to church, and I went to church with her. And I remember the first time, it was in a school, 
and there was windows up above, and we started worshiping, and the sun just shone down on me. My heart, the feeling overwhelmed me. The tears just poured down my face. I just had this overwhelming feeling, and I could feel Jesus' arms around me. I knew that I was where I was supposed to be. So going, I continued to go to church with her and eventually was baptized there, but going back now to working with these women, survivors of violence, I had to be professional. So you couldn't, you had to listen, you had to be empathetic, you had to validate, but you could, that's what you were supposed to do. After starting church, I knew that's not who I was, that I needed to do more. I needed to ask them if I could pray for them, ask them if I could hug them, if I could be there for them inside the office or outside of the office. And I knew that God brought me there to that job and brought that lady there, my friend, to me to show me that there, that was my purpose, was to help these women. And I mean, I still do this. I still meet with women. I'm still in the industry. But men and women now. And so being able to pray for them, hold them and hug them and know, let them know that Jesus loves them has just been a truly, truly a blessing to me. And I know that God is with me every single day when I'm with these people that I work with and that I help. So yeah, that's just kind of a bit about my story. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing. That's, uh, let's have just a round of applause for that kind of courage to share God at work in their lives too. I love that. The impact we have on people's lives when we choose moments of kindness, when we choose moments to step out and be out of our comfort zone, and especially moments with our words have massive impact on people's lives, more than we could know. There's times where I've thought I have like, I'm not doing anything useful with youth group. Half the time it feels like I'm just wrangling kids and trying to tell them to stop like punching holes in walls or throwing pumpkins at other people. And every now and then there's moments where I find out years later, like one little thing that I just chose a word of encouragement or kindness or to reach out or be present has had lasting impact on people's lives. And thank you for those stories so much. I, I really appreciate hearing that from, from our community here, how God is at work. There, so there's two things. I want to do two more quick things before we get into the craft here and the interaction. And I love seeing the coloring and the drawing. My ADD brain would like need that to focus. But So the one thing is uh, sometimes we take for granted and uh, the fact that God's blessing, God at work in our world, in our lives, in other people's lives, comes through the hands and feet of ordinary, plain people like us. It's, it's this amazing thing where I think sometimes we have a prayer request come our way or we hear about a hard time uh, somebody's going through and we, we'll say, I'll pray for you. And that's the right response. Pray, it, prayer is powerful and God does amazing, miraculous work and, and intervenes and can manifest in people's lives and start with prayer, absolutely. I've also found so many times if you're in the place of hearing that opportunity, having the opportunity to pray for somebody you're likely in the place of having the opportunity to actually be God's answer to prayer in that person's life. 
God, for the whatever mysterious reason, brings us into his story, brings our hands and feet into his story regularly. There's this beautiful story I love that comes in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, where it's this moment where Jesus' uh, Jesus's friend Lazarus has died, and there's so much you can dive into that, but the synopsis of the story is friend Lazarus has died. Jesus is far away, so he travels to go see the grave. It's three days later now. Lazarus is dead. He's in the tomb. And so what it says here, just reading quickly, you can listen to this. Uh, so check this out. Uh, John eleven thirty eight. 38. Uh, Jesus once more was deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. It's already been four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God at work? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And it falls out from there that Lazarus walks out, this dead man walks out. And a small moment in here, see, Jesus is powerful. We've seen him raise a man from the dead. He could have blown this stone in front of the tomb into oblivion. He could have, an angel of God could have like the light and the teleporting beam and beam me up, Scotty, and the stone is gone and away. But he says, Move the stone for me, please. Be part of my story. I want your hands to move that stone to release the alive, resurrected Lazarus to come out. God uses you and me and ordinary, plain people to be in that. And really importantly, I think he uses our words a lot. He uses our words when we choose kindness in a world that is critical. He uses our words when we choose encouragement and peace and relationship in a world that often is attacking of each other. Spend like two minutes on YouTube in the comment section and see how pleasant we are to each other. Because here's the thing, we get played, we think we're so autonomous and we're in full control of everything that comes out of our mouth, but we get played more than we admit. There's a spiritual war at world with a God who wants to bring us to him and Satan and his demons who want us away from God, rejecting God and removing other people away from God. And let me tell you, here's the thing. If we are not actively disciplining, our, disciplining ourselves to reflect the gospel in our words and in our actions, we're being played by the enemy. There are so many times... I've learned in my life, as I've gotten over, one of my love languages is words of affirmation, words of encouragement. And I, I gotta say, like, there's people who have spoken to me in different times after whatever it is, if I have a big project or I've had a hard day, and they, not intentionally, they have no idea, but people have come up to me and, and just said the one thing that could crush me and completely break me down because the devil likes to also work through people's words and say, I can destroy any momentum that Grant thinks he has today with a few words. And when we're not on guard, trying to be agents of God's goodness with our mouths and with our hands will unintentionally be tools for the devil's schemes. And our words can lift people up and they can break people like crazy. So the second part about that, one is being an intentional agent of God's goodness, being active and this Thanksgiving weekend, finding ways to be intentionally kind in every opportunity we get. The compliment sandwich, at least twice as much good positive stuff than negative stuff. The second one is how we receive blessings, how we receive help and support. Because honestly, sometimes I don't think we're that easy to help. I think a lot of times we put our guards up because we live in a world that says, you should be able to deal with it yourself. 
If you need help, there means there's something wrong with you. You're not good enough. We're in a world that says if you're having a hard time raising a kid, you should figure it out. Don't get support. Do it all yourself. Don't ask for help. But we actually have a God who says, I want to help. I want to work through this community to support you. God himself exists in a community. There's this thing called the Trinity. Is this wild, difficult to explain with astrophysics, understanding that God is three people but also one God. He exists in this community of support, of care. Jesus is God, but he prays to God for help because he has this life and understanding of surrender and actually saying God's blessings can be seen more clearly when I throw my hands up in surrender and say, I'll take that help. So that's the second part for this morning. One is being active agents of God's goodness. The second part is actually humbling ourselves up a little bit and saying, I'll receive some help. I'll receive support. I will let somebody be an agent of God's goodness and blessing in my life because that is a testimony to other people around who get to see that. It's amazing. Maybe you've heard this old, I kind of love it. It's like a little comic book thing you'd see in the newspaper cartoon, right? There's a guy drowning, so he prays, God, save me. And a guy in a boat comes by and says, hey, do you need help? No, God's going to help me. And then the helicopter comes flying over and, uh, and he's like, hey, do you need help? He's like, no, no. I pray to God, he's going to save me. And then a whale miraculously learns to talk and comes up and says, hey, do you need help? I'll give you a ride to shore. No, God's going to save me. And he drowns because we don't like receiving the help of God actually at work through people. And then we get to recognize that. And I love that story too. Thank you so much again, Liz and Pam, of like in some simple words like a coworker, why'd you help me? Because my God says I should help you. Bring the testimony into that and name it and say there's a reason why the gospel is in my life like Paul received from the Galatians in a culture where he should have been ostracized and left for dead. He shouldn't have made it nearly as far as he did. These believers in Galatia had the gospel within them and responded in kind with love and kindness. And Paul saw and he affirmed the gospel at work in their life. So this is what we're going to do. For just a few minutes here, I'm going to give you like five minutes to spend this time. I want you to finish up. Wow, there's a lot of confetti over there. They've been going to town. Finish up the crafts. Draw in, color in some leaves, because here's what we're going to do. Cut them out. As we're doing this, we're in little kind of clumps, right? So you can move your chairs around. Share some stories. If you've got something in your heart that you can reflect to, a time that you've been helped or that you had an opportunity to help bless somebody, just like Pam and Liz shared here, let's five minutes, right? Like that's, that's what they had. Share some stories in your clumps. I'd love to hear some noise, some conversation in here. And then write, our, uh, finish drawing in, coloring in your leaves. And then if you're willing to, uh, here's the invitation I'll ask. With the leaves that you have completed, and kids, if you've made extra, maybe share them too with some of the people here who didn't get to the, the leaves. And the arthritis is hurting the hands to cut with those little scissors that are super dull. I apologize. They're very dull scissors. On the back of the leaf because it's Thanksgiving long weekend. I want us to reflect today on who has had an impact in our lives. Who has said some words that have changed the course or direction of our lives? Who has had an impact in our faith or shaped us or pushed us closer towards God? And write that name on the back of a leaf. And what we're gonna do after that, I'm gonna pray, uh, or I'll pray at the very end, but when you've done that too, come up here. There's paper clips in the tins too. And this, we're gonna cover these two trees here with these leaves, with people who have impacted our lives, with people who have been agents of God's goodness. And there'll be reflections for us to take a look at our own testimony and hope that we are being that. I hope that I have been that for some of you. I hope that all of you, maybe our names that pop up on this tree too.
So that's what we're going to do. We've got five minutes. We're going to draw on the leaves, share some stories, and write a name of somebody who has had that transformational impact in your life on that leaf. I'm loving seeing the trees getting decorated here. I don't want to interrupt or end any of the amazing discussion happening, but I do just want to uh, encourage you to keep on doing this. I, I do want to pray for the service just as we end here, but I uh, don't feel the need to leave. I, I'm loving this energy. Keep sharing that the clumps are awesome and perfect for this to engage in conversation. There's nobody kicking you out here, so keep the trees going. I would love to see these filled up, decorated. I'm loving the leaves already too. I'm just going to pray to end the service, though, if you join me in that. So, dear Heavenly Father, Thanksgiving, we are thankful, God. We are thankful for you, God. We're thankful for your example provided through Jesus for how to live a life of kindness, of goodness, God, the fruits of the Spirit, of joy, peace, patience, self-control, God, all these amazing things that are evidence of the gospel of grace that you bring. That is such a change from the world that barely knows grace, God. You are a God of love and grace. So God, I just pray that this Thanksgiving, we are thankful for you, but God, but we're thankful for the people who are also active agents of your goodness, God, that we're thankful for the people who have provided that. And God, give us the challenge, give us the confidence to also be active with our hands and with our mouths of bringing the gospel through the things that we do and touch and say and speak, God, that every time we're talking with people, every time we're sharing, even we have to have the, have the car, hard conversations, God, that we are uplifting and directing people towards your love and not away from you. God, we pray all these things in your name. We pray that you bless this service, God, as we continue conversations here. God, I just thank you for the morning we've had celebrating and worshiping you. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Keep it going. I'm loving it. Keep going with the leaves. If you want to do more, we've got so many more, too. Let's cover these things up. They're going to be our centerpieces for the month ahead. Thank you for joining us this week, and have a great week.